And broadcasting and podcasting 438 miles between each other. You're listening to the Fifth Quarter Podcast. As always, George Koff with you alongside my good friend and Texas Tech Red Raider Desmond McLaughlin here on this October the 22nd, a Thursday. Coming at you on a Thursday. Normally it's Wednesday, but Thursday I had to push it back a little bit. But we are still enough with enough time to cover last week's games, and look ahead to this week's action, including the return of the Big Ten with Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, all the, those teams coming back. It is episode eight of the third season and our 45th episode overall. Desmond, you know what that means? We're on 50 watch, baby. We're, 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 we're coming up on number 50, and we'll have to do something big. big yeah, something, something special. And with that, Desmond, how are you doing on this Thursday afternoon? You know, I started that new job at Amazon. No work tonight. We've been a little slow lately because it's not the holiday season. How about you, George? I don't know if everybody knows, but George had his 21st birthday just I, previously. I did. I did on Monday. It was my 21st birthday. So oh. it was a, a good time and nice to uh, see see the family again and um, enjoy myself. You know, you know, have a good time. But uh, that's we said drink drinks to that AM win. <laughs> Indeed, and right, and we'll get right into that there as AM gave me a nice early birthday present last Saturday with a win over Mississippi State, um, 28 to 14 to be more specific. The Aggies just played well. I mean, I know there may be some argument about, oh, well, they didn't play great offensively, they played okay, you know, and but you know what? Mississippi State has playing in Starkville has given the Aggies trouble the last few years you know they hadn't won in in Starkville since Johnny Manziel since that first game um against the Bulldogs there uh in 2012 and so to be able to pull out a win in a game that um you know was kind of nitty knit and grit was a pretty big win and to get the Aggies to three and one on the season um so that was a big deal K.J. Costello and Will Rogers felt the pressure the entire game from that front seven of Texas A&M, even with Bobby Brown out. Bobby Brown, big defensive lineman, he was out with an injury uh, that he suffered in the celebration on the sack against Florida. Uh, he seems to be all right. Jimbo said in his press conference that he probably could have played, but they took the precautions, sat him out. He should be okay coming back from the bye week this week, or, you know, for the Arkansas game in two weeks. Um, Desmond, the big deal was that AM held the Bulldogs to negative rushing yards, uh, negative two rushing yards, which is the least amount AM has ever allowed since 2003. And they did negative three against the team I'm wearing, the Wyoming Cowboys. Um, and the only reason why I'm wearing this is shout out to the big, to the Mountain West coming back as well. But the big deal. Uh, again, Kellen Mine played okay, but Chase Lane, Desmond, Chase Lane, he went to St. Pius, the 10th. Just, you know, just uh, down the road from our old, our uh, high school alma mater, or, you know, you get the point there. This man is fast. 51-yard touchdown, and nobody could even come close to catching him. Uh, so it was a nice, uh, even with Chapman, you know, having a season-ending injury, having some extra receivers there to really start to get that movement. I would have liked to see some more, you know, Demon Demas, we keep talking about him, true freshman five-star that hasn't had any, you know, had one snap, I believe, in that Alabama game. But um, the main thing is you got to keep improving. And in the SEC, you have to have a good defensive performance each week. Um, 
and that's how you win games. Uh, tough stretch here with Arkansas, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Night game against Arkansas at Kyle Field. You never know what to expect against the Hogs, and I look forward to talking about that a little bit more next week. But, Desmond, what did you see from this A&M squad against Mississippi State on Saturday? I agree, George. I like what you hit on about Kyle Bond because, you know, like I said he's the main focus of what I like to look at because if he plays well, A&M plays well. And he didn't have a, a terrible game. But he didn't have like a great game. You know no. what I'm saying? In, in comparison think, to the game, two games that he had had previously, where he threw for mm-hmm. 300 yards and at least two touchdowns, you know, it wasn't great. But yeah, go keep going. Go ahead. I, don't I, I think for him, if he wants to, because he's probably looking to try to, you know, he's eligible for the draft. He's Correct. probably trying to go to the NFL. If he really wants to make a case for himself, I mean, they're almost in the top 10 right now. He really needs to like, have some really big breakout games. And if he does, I think he can have a solid case of maybe going on like as a backup or a third string for an NFL team. But he needs to start like, you know, having those really big breakout games. Um, but AM's in a good position right now. Um, you know, they're in the top half of the SEC. SEC is looking a little rough this year. I think that if they really want to push, you know, making the SEC championship, this would be the year to do it. Uh Absolutely agreed there. Um, obviously, we've seen LSU be on the lower half there. And Florida mm-hmm. has been struggling with the COVID outbreak that they've had. Um, get well soon. Dan Mullen, um, you know, he actually came down, tested positive, unlike Nick Saban. Nick Saban tested positive, but it was a false positive. Dan Mullen has been feeling symptoms. So shout out. No, no, seriously. He's been, I think he had a. No, no, someone the false positive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Dan Mullen in the Florida Gator program, we hope you get. A healthy um we want to see you back on the field um good team too so get get, get better uh but yeah you're right desmond the sec has kind of looked flat a little bit um i think there's a lot of parity with this all, all conference schedule it allows you to truly see what teams are fairly good and which teams fall flat and we're seeing a lot of falling flat especially with that georgia alabama game georgia had a pretty good advantage there towards the start of the second half and then things just started to just yeah fall um but you're right I don't really see Kyle Mond as a as a backup even in the NFL I see him as a third string like TJ Yates type of guy that plays when you have injuries or when you feel like even almost like an RG3 where now he's being more of just being used in different ways and um well he could I love to see Kellen Mond as a receiver or something uh, I think I feel like he would be able to do well on that type of front he's you know kind of st- kind of lanky so he you could get some speed he's fast um Braxton Miller <laughs> yeah absolutely no seriously like yeah no a very similar type of guy uh you're right he needs some breakout games to get some attention but I, I'm looking forward to see what the rest of the season brings for Texas A&M. All right, we're going to move forward to the Texas Tech Red Raiders and Desmond. They were on a bye week, but during the bye week, we got some big news that Harry Houdini, uh, Henry Columbi, as you, uh, as his real name goes, will be getting the ball against West Virginia and be the starter, knocking Alan Bowman out of that position. So Desmond, what does this mean for that, for Coach Wells and this team? Terrible call. I mean, he's, mess, he's messing up my promise to you about Bowen being the leading passer for the Big 12. I mean, I get we've lost a few games this year, and one of those games was because 
Bowman got injured and we lost the lead to Texas, but Bowman's still not a bad quarterback. He struggled a little bit um, in the first half last game, but I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I did say that Henry did look nice. I did say that he has looked really great, but I don't know if it was like enough to totally sit, you know, your star quarterback and switch. I mean, maybe they saw something practice. Maybe Bowman really was affected by the injury. Like Ethan said that he saw maybe the injury really did like set him back some, I don't know. Maybe they're just tired of losing so much that there's like, we might as well just start rebuilding and start with our, you know, our new freshman quarterback building them up for next year. Yeah. And, and this, this announcement came actually uh, surprisingly, it came last week. We could have even started talking about it during our podcast episode last week was how early it came. And um, you have to think that there had to be something related with an injury. You know, Bowman's been suffering, has, has been dealing with that ankle that his entire time at Texas tech. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I feel like Columbia, that's a big, big decision to say you know four games in that Bowman is not not I mean I would understand it if Bowman was like a sophomore quarterback you know and it's a freshman so he's a senior isn't he he's a a senior and he 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 wasn't playing I mean besides last game he wasn't playing bad he he was doing tremendous against Texas up until his injury he was leading the big 12 in passing yards I'm I'm I mean, yeah, no, you make a good point. When you look at the amount of points that they've pu- they've put up the last three weeks, they put up 56 against Texas. Of course, that game was a high scoring, but even then they put up 56 before going to overtime. Um, mm-hmm. 31 against Kansas State, a Kansas State team that now has no starting quarterback, Skylar Thompson's out for the year, and a defense that has had COVID issues and who knows? So 31 points, pretty good. And in 15 against an Iowa State team that probably will play for the Big 12 championship. Yeah. So you're look, you're not looking like it's, oh, getting shut out or only a touchdown. Now, granted, that Iowa State only had one offensive touchdown, and it was by Columbia in the fourth quarter leading a drive that really didn't matter. Let's be honest. It didn't matter much. Um, so, yeah, I think you make a good point going into the bye week. What does this mean? You know, seeing that they're going to make this change, maybe it will be different. But, but yeah, yeah. I was saying maybe, maybe it's because I'm being a little biased just because I like Bowman, but hopefully this is the right decision. Yeah, I, I, I think for Texas Tech fans alike, you want to say that, you know, maybe you like Bowman, but you want to see the team get better. And if you're not careful, like you go into an 0-4 start to Big 12 play halfway, basically halfway through the – the schedule being one and four is not very good. Um, and you have Oklahoma on the horizon in prime time at home. You know, we'll see what happens there. But Desmond against this West Virginia, let's look at, let's not look ahead too far. Uh, West Virginia at home in Lubbock, 430 kickoff. West Virginia had a good win against Kansas. They kind of struggled to break away till the end, but they've shown Neil Brown and his team Showing that they can, they can, uh, they're right up there with teams that maybe make a surprise statement in the Big Twelve. What are you looking forward to seeing from this team? See, it's really hard to tell because I've only seen limited time from, you know, Henry Houdini himself. But uh, I'm just, for, as of now, I'm just going to say West Virginia 45, Texas Tech 38. I think it'll be a close game, just because I don't feel like West Virginia has like too much advantage. I want to, so I feel like. They definitely have a better season than we are, and plus it's a new quarterback. 
Um, we haven't seen much of him. I, I did say he looks good, but he, you know, he's playing during pretty much almost garbage time and he still needs a little bit more experience. So I, I still need to see a little bit more of him, you know what I'm saying? So this will be, this will be interesting and it will give us the kind of feel of, you know, what his potential is. Yeah. And his, and the future of the Texas tech program. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got 38, 20 West Virginia. Um, I don't, I, it's not that I don't believe in Columbia. I just don't, I'm with you. I don't know the, you know, what that looks like for the Texas tech offense. And I'm worried that our boy TJ Vasher is not going to get thrown to because Columbia, especially towards the end of that game, he wasn't really looking at Columbia. He was looking at Keyshawn. Uh, what's the name? Keyshawn Carter. Yeah. Keyshawn Carter. He's not, he's not bad as well. No, not at all. But when you're not taking advantage of definitely a top 10, probably top 20 NFL prospect and you just, which he would be if he was somewhere else, because he'd get more touches. Oh, absolutely. And I'm surprised he didn't transfer this before this year, because I feel like he would be a guy that either would have opted out or transferred to like, I don't know, um, maybe Oklahoma. Oklahoma is always looking for receivers. Um, But either way, I think, um, if Columbia can find TJ Vasher and that connection is there, man, that might be a dangerous duo because Columbia can run, he can scramble, and he has a good arm. So we'll see. Uh, but I think you make a good point. We'll see if, if it means that we see another switch with Bowman later or if it's Columbia here on out until the end of the season with Oklahoma, TCU, Baylor, all back to back to back um, after this West Virginia game with no buy in between. So. That's Texas Tech, but let's look at the rest of college football here as we um, move into the the bulk of our our podcast episode today. Big Ten, again, as I mentioned, returns to play after firstly stating they will not play in this fall and it's not safe and then getting basically pressured into saying, oh, you know what, we're going to play college football in the fall. So who knows how this is going to look like, but they're playing eight games in eight weeks, which is no room for error. And as we've seen Desmond already with the ACC and the SEC having postponed games, there's no way the Big Ten's going to get through all eight games. Uh, you hope that they do, but we'll talk about that more here in a second. The Mountain West also returned. Shout out to my old, my my small school from last year, the Wyoming Cowboys. Um, Bo- Boise State you know, right in the mix for a group of five um, opportunity to kind of mix in there with BYU. They play each other, big game later on in the season, big big uh, get for BYU schedule to help them, you know, motivate that schedule that's already a f- producing 5-0 and for the BYU Cougars. Um, but Desmond, let's talk about, let, let's, you know, we focus on that. We'll get to the Big Ten in just a second. But the ACC, Clemson, Notre Dame, and basically everybody else. Clemson, you know, you maybe don't sleep on Miami still. I was going to say, yeah. You already knew I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, because of Derek King. But, you know, they had a good bounce. You know, we were talking about this. They needed to have a good bounce back week after getting kind of creamed by Clemson. And they did against Pitt, against a Pitt team that was without their starting quarterback. Kenny Pickett was not playing. But, um, you know, Miami still got it done. They moved up in the rankings. They're just outside the top ten. You know, they still have an outside shot. They need things to fall their way. But uh, I think the big thing is North Carolina. We maybe saw something, you know, I saw something in North Carolina that I hadn't seen the entire season. And that was just bad defense. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but North Carolina's defense might be worse than Texas A&M's, um, at least in the secondary. Uh, Desmond, they were 
they were uh, Florida State. Mike Norvell found the strategy. Finally, it took them three weeks, four weeks. Of, I mean, we saw it during North, Notre Dame, the Notre Dame game uh, two weeks ago. He started – he kept Florida State in it. Notre Dame couldn't pull away toward, until the very last two possessions before the, when they scored and they pulled away. But they did that in the first half, Desmond. 31-7 to seven at the end of one, at the end of 30 minutes. And then you, your defense, you finally play inspired. You hold them scoreless. You come back, and then you have two bad third and fourth down plays that, you know, you just can't catch the ball, and Florida State pulls on, hangs on for the win. But I know you mentioned it last week, Desmond, and I, I kind of want to hit on it again. North Carolina, maybe they were too high, too hyped up, too uh, – they were over – over- I, feel, I feel the same way about – we'll get that till later. I feel the same way about Oklahoma State. Yeah, no, and, and I think – it's just really interesting to see what Clemson and Notre Dame again. They play each other. Clemson and Notre Dame play. I believe it's. I just want to say, do you think that win against um, that win against George Tech is that proving George Tech's trash or is that proving like Clemson is just? Oh, I think Clemson is for real. It was when you go up on a team fifty-two to seven at the end of a half, at a half. <laughs> and Desmond, let's 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 play. Let's let's say something to straight to to you know. To, to make this straight, it was seven to seven. I hope you realize that. Georgia Tech had a, like a 55-yard touchdown to tie the game, seven seven. Clemson went on a what is that? It was 73 to seven was the final. So they went on a 67, 66 and 0 run to end the game. 66 unanswered. Yeah, Clemson is for real. And we I'm saying it's not against like it's not against like, you know. Abilene Christian offense or like you know what I'm saying it, it was no it's against, against Georgia Tech which is right proved that they can they can play this year I mean they're no slouch they were two and two going into the game it wasn't like they mm-hmm. were zero and four right so yeah I think a lot of it was that Georgia Tech had a lot of bad defensive personnel shifts and substitutions and they just were getting burned because they were getting they were substituting and then Trevor Lawrence was like okay I'll just hit it right there. Before we get off this topic, I just want to say I really like, like I didn't like him, you know, freshman or sophomore year when I doubted Clemson. I do, I really do like Trevor Lawrence because what I liked about him is that he's improved in every single category every single year. He's improved. Besides last year, I think he had more interceptions than he did his first year. I was looking, he's he's already on track to improve more passing yards, more passing touchdowns, he less passing interceptions. He's improved on everything every single year. I think that's something that. They need to look at in the NFL, knowing that he'll improve. Oh, he's going to be the number one draft pick for sure. The problem is, is if I'm Trevor Lawrence and I'm going to be completely honest, I don't want to play for the New York Jets. Are you kidding me? That team, and it's not the fact that, oh, they're 0-6 and they're struggling. There's no offensive line. There's no defense. It's the fact that do you really want to play for a team where you're not going to be able to do what you can't, what you – did in college, which was having a very good offensive line, so you have time to throw. You can't do that. I mean, go look at Joe Burrow. He's having he's struggling in Cincinnati. He doesn't have a great offensive line, so he doesn't have time to get in the pressure. So he's having to change his whole game. I would hate for Trevor Lawrence to get drafted out of the Jets, then have no offensive line, get absolutely tattooed and hit hard in his first or second game, and be like Alex Smith, where he has to come back and recover and take a full year because of a season-ending injury that's 
could have been avoided if he just stayed at Clemson one more year and let some other bum team draft him. Seriously, I, like I, I'm, I'm trying to make the most out of the situation because Trevor Lawrence deserves better. He's a great quarterback. In fact, I'm going to say this. He's better than Joe Burrow because he's shown that he can do what Joe Burrow did last year consistently. Joe Burrow did it in 2020, but he really didn't do it in 2019. Or sorry, he did it in 2019, not really in 2018. Trevor Lawrence has shown he can do it in 2018, 2019, and 2020. He's consistent. And I like numbers like that. If I'm if I'm a GM, I like consistency because you know you're getting a good quarterback. You're not just getting a quarterback that's like, oh wow, he went from being okay to great. Like where, you know, you know you're getting a quarterback that has raw talent because he's just that good. But I don't want to talk about this too much. We need to keep going. You know, Bama is really the big team to beat in the SEC right now. Najee Harris and. Uh, Jalen Waddle with Mac Jones leading the charge there. Pretty good team there that Nick Saban is building. And in Oklahoma State, they're the only hope for the Big 12 right now, but I don't know if they're really that big of a, a, a dream. What about Iowa State? I mean, this is true, but Desmond, you have to remember, Oklahoma State's the only undefeated team left in the Big 12. So they're going to be the only hope. But if they if they lose to Iowa State this weekend – we might be talking different about Iowa State. Iowa State, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy and Coach Matt Campbell, I'm telling you, they can play all together, not just have like one good defensive game and one good offensive game. If you can put that all together for consistent weeks upon weeks, this Iowa State team might actually have, dare I say it, an outside chance to get into the playoff if your one loss is to a Louisiana team that wins the Sun Belt. I mean... Are we are am I am I am I crazy? No, I, I agree with you. I mean, it it will come down to this week. This weekend's game is gonna be a big one. Iowa State, Oklahoma State. We'll get to that later. But um, that's just one of three big games this week, or four big games: Michigan, Minnesota, the start of ranked on ranked to start the Big Ten, Cincinnati, SMU, big game in the American in Dallas. Uh, NC State, North Carolina. See if North Carolina can get on track, and NC State maybe continue their three-game win streak. You know, they're three, they're four and one right now. Um, but here we go. The big deal this week, the big Ten's back. And what does this mean for college football? We have three questions that I asked Desmond and we both came up with some responses and see what we have. So the first one is, is there a legitimate chance that somebody from the big 10 by playing six games or, you know, eight games, whatever could win the Heisman? I said, no, I did too. I said, go ahead. And you know who I want to win the Heisman. But what I've seen so far, what I just talked about, I think this year it's Trevor Lawrence's to lose. Absolutely. And I I, I would say Justin Fields has a chance because, like, Mm -hmm. would have had a chance if we had a normal Big Ten season because he's Justin Fields. He showed how good he was. He had, what, two interceptions last year or three, something crazy like that. But Trevor Lawrence, at this point, you could just hand it to him. Like, mm-hmm. hand it to him and say, okay, as long as you don't get hurt and you don't do anything stupid, this is yours. Like, And plus, plus his freshman and sophomore year, he was in competition for it too. So, you know, he just he, – he, he's there. Honestly, he's there, I know? wouldn't be mad if you, gave, if you gave it to anybody on Clemson. Like Travis Etienne um, yeah. or Trevor Lawrence, like – 
if it's just an all Clemson Heisman finalists, like I'll be okay with that because they're by far the best offensive team right now. And you cannot deny that. Even if you're not a Clemson fan, you cannot deny that. The second question I posed to you, Desmond, was um, we talked about eight games in eight weeks is really, really optimistic. But let's say that there probably will be probably, you know, two games that get postponed. So that means that theoretically you could be looking at a 6-0 Ohio State team, okay? Just And let's say that the Michigan game is the game that gets canceled because we know it would be a big game, big game. Or the Ohio State-Penn State. It's one of those two that get canceled. Would they and should they be considered for the college football playoff against like a team, say, Georgia, who's 9-1 and one, or a – uh, ten and a, a ten and one Oklahoma State. Like, should we be truly considering an undefeated champion of the Big Ten if they've only played six games versus the others ten or eleven? That's an iffy one. I just think it depends on who they play. You know, because if they play like six ranked teams, like Michigan schedule, they're playing like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa State, Penn State, Michigan State six very good teams and they win all six of those. Why not? I mean, cause a lot of the teams who are nine and one, usually there are three or four games where the teams aren't very good are playing a no name team when they're getting like for the first game. So if they're playing six great teams and, and they go six and oh, I mean, this, I think it should be based off like a strength of schedule kind of. Yeah. And, and that's what the playoff committee always says is strength of schedule is up there. What if it's now let me change it. What if it's five and one? Because I agree with you. I agree that it should be if they have big games that they've won. Yeah, they should be in. But let's say they're five and one, and their their one loss is it's a bad loss. Like it's to, to like a team that they shouldn't have lost to. Correct. Do you give mm-hmm. them the benefit of the doubt for only playing six games and winning five of those? That the one loss doesn't matter, or would you take a one loss team that has played more games and has shown that they can win? Because by your logic, you're saying that a nine and one record in the SEC would be equivalent to a five and one record in the in the Big Ten because you can get rid of the four games that probably are wins anyway in the SEC. See, that's that's iffy because it's kind of messed. It's kind of messed up to penalize a team for having less games when it's really not their fault. Correct. And this is the argument that the big tw- that the playoff is going to have. That's why I'm asking it to you because you have to start thinking if that does happen and you have like 10 one-loss teams for v- vying for one spot in the playoff, who do you put? You're going to have a discussion about saying, oh, they should have put this team, but no, they didn't. They put this team who played three less games. I think if it comes down to, if it comes down to like a 5-1 and one team from the big 10, like a 9 and 1 team from the SEC. They'd probably go with a 9 and 1 team from the SEC. And that's the problem that people are going to say it's going to be a, a bias because of more games. So, what, what do you think? So, I guess this is a question, a tangent, just quickly. So, what do you think the Big Ten needs to do? What, like, for example, Ohio State, let's say they two of their games get postponed. What do they need to do in the six games that they do play? Because they need to play probably they need best to football. Blow teams out, and they need to try to. If they get postponed, they need to look maybe the right way to try to reschedule it. You know, right? Um, so, so, and I, and obviously that starts this week against Nebraska, right? We I think go. if a team for the Big Ten wants to go, they're gonna have to go undefeated. 
Okay, so we'll, you heard it here first. Desmond, an undefeated Big Ten champ should be in. Assuming yeah, if they're, if they're undefeated. Yeah, okay. We'll see. And speaking of undefeated Big Ten champ, Desmond, in order for a team to get to undefeated territory, what's going to be the biggest game with the biggest implications this season in that in that conference? Because I, I don't I don't really have a reason for this, but I, I just have good vibes on Michigan this year. Oh I really gosh. feel like they're gonna. Desmond, are you telling me you're really gonna be a, a Jim Harbaugh fan? Yes, oh, uh, I'm not really a fan. Not even really an admirer. Just you know, just just kind of like someone that sits back and watches. You know, Desmond, they always fall flat. They always start strong, like, and then they I just feel like with this. I feel like with this shorter schedule, it'll help them out. And then you you put them up against probably the best team in the Big Ten, like Ohio State. I think that's going to be a huge game. So the, the you're saying the final game of the season, Ohio State. Yeah, final game of the season. I think that's going to be a, a, a big game. Okay, so I kind of agree with you with Michigan, but I'm taking Penn State, Michigan on Thanksgiving weekend. Normally you play the Ohio State, Michigan game on that weekend, but with the extended schedule, it's, you know, Penn State, Michigan. This could be a big game for two reasons. One, whether or not Michigan is undefeated, because at that point they would have had to beat Minnesota as well as Wisconsin. Or Penn State. If Penn State's undefeated, it means they beat Ohio State on Halloween. Either way, that's going to be a huge game because it's going to decide if Ohio State happens to lose, that could potentially be the Big Ten's best chance of the playoff. Because if Penn State beats Ohio State, in Happy Valley, in, in Penn, at Penn State, you know, then you're talking about at least a one-loss champion, Big Ten champion, and who knows if they get it. Mm-hmm. But it should, that's a good one along with the final weekend of the season, which has like ten, five, I think it has four or five rivalry games with Ohio State-Michigan, as you were talking about, and I believe uh, Illinois-Northwestern, which will not matter. It's just it's a fun rivalry game. And, um, so it should be a good one. Glad to have the the Big Ten back with us here in the 2020 college football season. Don't worry, for you Pac-12 West Coast fans, uh, Pac-12 will be joining us in two weeks. Uh, November the 7th is when they will be playing college football. And that will be uh, the first weekend that we'll have every single power or FBS program or conference, not program, conference playing. Um the Big Ten and Big will have played for three weeks. The Pac-12 will be their opening season, and the MAC will be playing starting that week. So, hang tight, college football fans, because we're almost going to have the college football, you know, fun fest that we normally do for three months. We'll have it for at least a month, which will be fun to have. All right, we're picking the games this week. I know it goes fast when you start talking, when you actually get down to business instead of talking you know, tangents and everything. And we'll talk about our Oklahoma State, you know, maybe, you know, here in a second. But Desmond, I didn't do so great last week. I've, I've kind of, uh, UTSA, they kind of had a chance to pull it out against Army, but it uh, doesn't help when Narcisse, your quarterback, gets hurt and has to get carted off. So I'm not going to say I'm salty. I'm just, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. But I shouldn't be disappointed because, Desmond, you have not done very well. You've lost your last four, I believe, three or four in a row. Um, I'm not going to be very, uh, very selective. I'm, I'm going to have to stick, not be uh, the big underdogs anymore. 
Yeah, you, you need you need to start going back to the drawing board, going back to the basics, I guess. Because <laughs> Georgia did not help you, my friend. Georgia did not help you. Well, okay, they are, man. I remember I texted you in the first half because they looked good and they were up. I yeah, but we always say match. that against Al- Georgia, Alabama. We said that in the national championship game. We said that when they played in the SEC championship game last year, Desmond. Yeah. It's Kirby Smart. He somehow has the Atlanta Falcon gene of choking in the fourth quarter because that's what happened. They played well in the third, and it just, what, 41 to 20 to 24, I think, was the final? Something like that? Either way. All right, we move forward into our picks this week, and Desmond, they are doozy, quite a doozy here. We start with the Friday night game that probably most people will be watching. The Raging Cajuns and the UAB Blazers. This is a good group of five matchup. Uh, the, the Blazers have not lost on their home field since returning to the football field to the you know as a football program because their program was disbanded in 2015 I believe they are currently on a 21 game home win streak um Louisiana they took their first loss of the season they fell out of the AP poll they're not having a good time um I think they get their first win ever at Legion Field and they get a win 31 to 27 over the UAB Blazers Desmond I agree. Um, I think it's be 27-20, close game. But, I mean, as you said, um, they already beat Iowa State, you know. They showed that they have some potential. Um, so, hopefully they're looking to, you know, break that record, as you say, um, beating them at their home. Um, and I, th- I think they'll get the dub this week. Yeah, 7 p.m. CBS Sports Network. ULL is a two-point favorite. So they're already a, fav- a road favorite. Could be a potential home underdog situation for the Blazers. All right, we go to the we shift to the ACC for a 11 a.m. kickoff between the NC State Wolfpack and the North Carolina Tar Heels. This is the Carolina State rivalry. It is a game that is played normally on Thanksgiving weekend, but shifts to late October this year because of coronavirus and the change in schedule, this and that. The Wolfpack three-game win streak, they have momentum. The Tar Heels are experiencing probably their worst loss in a while after falling out of the top 10, tumbling out of the top 10, top five actually, uh, and uh, had some flat tires on that Carolina blue bandwagon. I think Mac Brown will replace them. Better than ever. Um, closer than Vegas thinks. Vegas believes a 15-and-a-half-point favorite for the Tar Heels. I think it's going to be a touchdown game. 41-34 UNC. Desmond. I agree. I, I'm, I'm a little closer with Vegas on this one. 35-23. So about a 12-point. Um, okay. Uh, UNC, I know I said they're overhyped. But they're the best. But doesn't mean they're not good. You know, just because someone's overhyped does not mean that they're bad. It just means that they're giving too, they're giving too much credit than they actually deserve, um, but they're still not a bad football team. Um, they only have one loss, correct? Yeah, they only have one loss, so yeah. so they're looking potentially maybe still fight for the ACC. We'll see. Never know what happens, but uh, they're gonna. I think they're gonna get this win, thirty-five twenty-four. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, twenty-three. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Thirty-five twenty-three. Desmond's uh, score prediction. Yeah, no, North Carolina. If things play out right, they could still find a way into the. Um, the conference championship. Remember, there is no divisions this year in the ACC. So Notre Dame oh. and Clemson still have to play each other. Uh, Clemson, I believe, does not have to play North Carolina. Um, so 
there may not necessarily be a tiebreaker there, but we'll see what happens in the ACC. So North Carolina still has an outside shot at the championship game and the chance to get to the playoff if things go their way. All right, Big Ten football is back. Nebraska, Ohio State. Desmond, I feel like we were obligated to pick this game, but this game should not even be close. Nebraska was the, the, the weird team that was saying, we want to play fall football. We don't care if we're not playing in the Big Ten, blah, 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 this and that. Okay, Nebraska, you get, you get to play fall football, and you know what your, your reward is? Playing in the horseshoe against the Ohio State Buckeyes. And the first a, game. Yeah, in the first game. And then they get uh, – I believe they get uh, – who do they get the next week? They get two strong weeks, and it's like, oh, man, Ohio State first, yikes. Um, but their reward is a beatdown. I like the Ohio State Buckeyes to absolutely just – this game – I'm going to – I will I will be true to my word. I will watch it through the first quarter, and I'm going to another game. I'm going to flip channels to another game because <laughs> this game will not even matter at halftime. 35 to 10, and that's generous. That is generous on the points. Wow. Well, I have a 46 to 14. Ohio State as well. You know me every single year. Ohio State's always going to be one of those stronger teams, always going to finish top 10, top 15 by the end of the season. Um so I definitely, I definitely think that's going to be a team that we should definitely keep an eye out for. It'll be interesting seeing the big team teams, like four or five strong teams, come into the top 25 and see how it, you know, shifts the league. Yep, yep. And uh, we'll see if Ohio State, they moved into the top five this year, this week. So uh, see if they can move any higher um, with their performance against the Cornhuskers. All right, Desmond, we alluded to it earlier, but the uh, best battle in the Big 12, I guess, not just this weekend, but so far. 17th-ranked Iowa State travels to Stillwater to take on the 6th-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. And Desmond, Chuba Hubbard and the Cowboys have been pretty good this year, at least against the teams that they have played, um, staying unbeaten uh, in, the, uh, in the Big 12, whereas Iowa State has shown that maybe they're a little bit better with a win over Oklahoma at, the, at home, as well as um, just taking a close loss not close, but a loss to the uh, Raging Cajuns and a team that will probably be pretty good this year. Um, you know, I don't think we've seen both teams get tested much this year yet, but I think they both will in a game that probably gives the winner the inside track to the to the Big 12 championship game. And for me, um, I think Iowa State holds their own. I really believe in the Cyclones. I don't know why. I just have a feeling. And uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take the road. I'm going to take the road uh, underdog. I like the Iowa State Cyclones to win 45 to 38. They're three and a half point fa uh, underdogs. I think they're going to cover. Desmond? George, you're following my train on how I think Oklahoma State is overrated. I, Iowa State's looking nice. Brock Purdy is fourth in passing yards right now. Big 12. But George, you know, it's funny. I just checked and it was fifth, even despite being injured for a whole game. Alan Bowman. And Alan Bowman is still fifth. And he, he, didn't, he hasn't played like a game and a half, and he's still fifth. That's how that's, Crazy. How, that's how good his potential is. Whatever, Shane. I mean, um, Daddy Sam's in first. Uh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> but Iowa State's defense isn't bad. Um, you know, they have, they have I think, uh, a lot, two linebackers who are in the top three for tackles in the Big 12. Then they have a, a line, uh, defense lineman who's, I think, fourth for sacks. Yep. Their, their defense isn't, is improving for a Big 12 team. I'll say not that they're improving. No, no, no. You make a good point. They've had a pretty good 
defensive showing, especially even against Oklahoma when it was a 38-31 game, I believe. And they still played very well on the defensive front. They got an interception to to close the game out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, you make a good point there. But, yeah, definitely Iowa State 45-35. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. And that's on Fox, 2.30 p.m. kickoff from Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater. So, uh, should give us a little bit more of a clear picture as to what the top of the Big 12 looks like. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. All right, the other ranked matchup, uh, ranked on ranked matchup that's to watch, Michigan-Minnesota. This is college game day's game of the week. They travel to freezing Minneapolis only for the second time ever to, to uh, open the Big 10. And uh, Jim Harbaugh, we kind of talked about him. You know, obviously there's a lot of expectations for him in his sixth year now at uh, Michigan. But I don't, I, I don't expect, you know, I don't expect much, but I expect enough for P.J. Fleck to not be able to row his boat this week. I, I, I like P.J. Fleck. I think he's a really cool head coach. He's changing the narrative on head coaching because normally you see these uptight and old guys where he's this young, young buck that just like – he kind of just wants to take everything in a different, you know, a different situation. I really like that, but I think Michigan has the talent and the better team. Um, also, one thing to mention: Michigan has not lost at Minnesota since 1977. Uh, that streak continues. I like the Michigan Wolverines, 35 to 28. Desmond. Yeah, I mean, you kind of heard me just talk about Michigan just a little bit ago when you when you tripped on me a little bit, but. Um, I don't think having this one in game 24-17. I think it would be close. I think I think Harbor will have some stuff up its sleeves to help him win. Yeah, it's it's always been close the last few years when they've mm-hmm. played. Uh, they played for the Little Brown Jug. It's a water bottle that dates back to the 1900s <laughs> that apparently that uh, Michigan's head coach didn't believe that Minnesota was going to provide them with clean water, so they brought their own water bottle they or water jug. They left it in Minnesota after the, it was a – I think it was a 9-9 tie or something like that, or 6-6 tie is what it was. And then three years later when they played again, Michigan won, recovered their brown jug, and ever since they've been playing for that brown thing that probably – Yeah, I know. It's the Big Ten. Thank you, Big Ten, for coming back because we have all the trophy games in the Big Ten. We play for Paul Bunyan, Paul Bunyan's axe. We play for the Land of Lincoln. We play for some – chair the old oaken bucket we play for these random like what i could create a trophy by just uh i don't know grabbing a shovel what the golden shovel for uh what a and m and and uh i don't know rice because we w- we want to dig on their grave i don't know i'm, I'm just messing with something here. but yeah no they play for all these trophies it just seems like one is a new every single year Okay, we'll keep moving forward here so we don't drag this out too long. Cincinnati SMU, the fourth and final ranked on ranked matchup um, that we are picking this week. And it is a top 20 matchup in the American. SMU was involved in the last top 20 matchup with uh, Memphis last year. And they they kept their perfect record alive last week, beating Tulane in overtime with a field goal in a game that both Desmond and I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. That we both thought was going to be much, much more, you know, a larger margin of victory, but Tulane held their own and SMU was able to pull it out on the road. 
but Cincinnati, they haven't played since October 3rd. So they are, they might be struggling here. Uh, you know, just maybe see if they still have that momentum. They are also, they are undefeated, I believe. Um, they beat Army in a big win, probably their biggest win of the season. For me, it's a late kickoff, 8 p.m. on ESPN2. SMU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite as the 16th-ranked team in the country. Um, it's just enough for me to take the upset. Uh, I don't like Cincinnati. I don't think Cincinnati is – is. I think they're, again, overranked. You know, they're, they're overhyped. And it will be my second time picking against Cincinnati this year in the upset picks. The first time it didn't happen well, but I trust SMU. Uh, it will be my second time picking SMU. So, SMU, bring it home, baby. I got the SMU Mustangs to pony up and win 38-31. to Desmond? I agree, George. Actually, I'm – I'm gonna switch my upset pick because it's gonna be Iowa State. Okay. That's gonna be my upset pick. Um, but I, I definitely I, I follow where you're going. Um Shane Michelle, I know uh, as we said last week, he's still improving. Um we, remember the, the Texas State game, the first game. Yeah, yeah. kind of like, yeah, he's improved ever since then. I watched that two-lane game. A lot of it was a kicker a little bit, you know. I think he missed like one or two. Yeah, he had a bad um, game. field goals, and he missed that one in the fourth. Um, but it came back to win. Um, so I think that they're definitely one's game. Cincinnati might be a little overrated, 27 to 10, SMU. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, I don't think that's – not, That's not too much. I mean, it's about I mean, two touchdowns. 17 points. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> well, so you heard it there. Desmond and I must have had the same upset pick, so we decided, you know what, I'm going to change it. So his upset is Iowa State. Hopefully they get it done, and then mine is SMU. So uh, we both need to get on the, on the, on the uh, right – right page of our upset picks this week so please mustangs and cyclones you know you do some good yeah you yeah. know what you have to do um all right <laughs> south carolina lsu lsu didn't play last week because of florida's covid outbreak so they had a nice off week uh but miles brennan their their quarterback is still uncertain to play he got injured in the missouri game towards the end and they don't know his status south carolina beat auburn for the first time in 80 years desmond in 80 years so I, I tell you this, you know, the last time that they beat LSU, 1994 in Baton Rouge, this almost feels like it should be a second upset, but I, here's the thing. LSU is one and two. If they fall to one and three, I don't even know what 2020 is anymore at that point. Um, and so I have to take this, the LSU Tigers. If South yeah. Carolina wins, though, I won't be surprised. Like, it, it's one of those games where I'm picking LSU, but if South Carolina wins, I'm not going to be like, oh, my gosh, what did I just watch? I'll be more like, oh, okay. I guess that sort of makes sense. So LSU 30-24. Desmond? I agree. LSU 28-23. They really need to get, get, get back on the train, man. You yeah, know, making Joe Burrow look really good right now. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they are – yeah, they need some help. All right, our final game, we'll make these last few things very quick so we can get out of here. I feel like we kind of have to ob oblig the obligatory Baylor-Texas game that we have to pick because the Aggies are on the bye week and Texas Tech is going to lose. So we got to pick a game that's more Texas-related, you know. Um, we already talked about the bigger game in the Big 12. And you know what? This Baylor-Texas game was probably supposed to be the biggest game of the weekend, and instead it's not. It's – a trash game between the Longhorns and the Bears that, you know, the Longhorns are trying to not stumble out of Austin again with a 
lost because at this point, the marching band has said, we're not going to play the eyes of Texas, uh, which is a big deal. They're not even going to play. So Texas really has nobody rooting for them at this point. There's they're they've hit rock bottom and they're hoping they don't hit a farther rock bottom. Um, Desmond, I tell you this, we talked about gunslinging slam, you know, leading the passing yards. You know, he's not leading against Baylor. What? In his, in his uh, time at Texas, Sam Ellinger has no touchdowns against the Baylor Bears. He has not even a rushing touchdown, no passing touchdowns. He's been hurt in some of these games, which is the reasoning. Uh, and also Shane Bouchelle was also uh, the starter at that time. So, uh, yeah, so he has not played. Now, Desmond, I don't think it's an upset. I think Sam uh, Dave Aranda has the ability to beat Texas. And Texas is going to be under 500 for the first time in a very long time. Uh, I've got the Baylor Bears somehow walking out of of Waco. Keep in mind, they won last year. They beat Texas last year. Um, But they haven't won in Austin since 2014. But I think they do get the win this week. 40 to 35. Closer than you think at the 2.30 kickoff on ESPN. So what do you think, Desmond? I'm going to flip the switch here, George. I think I'm going to flip the switch. Hey. No, I, I feel like a lot, I feel like this year I've, I've picked a lot of Texas games to win and continuously they let me down. Um, so this week, if they don't win this week, I'm not. I don't care if they play Kansas, score the blind. I'm not going to choose them again if they oh lose this God. week. <laughs> so you taking Texas then? I am taking Texas 35-28. Okay, hey, so Sam, you, please you're... do me some good. They have the home field advantage. This will be a big twelve shootout. Unless Baylor cancels because of Corona again, we'll just have to see. You heard, you heard it, Longhorn Nation. Longhorn Nation, Desmond needs you to win. So he's going to put my hopes on them. <laughs> In the words of Sam, you know, Longhorn Nation, we're back. Yeah, where did that get you, Sam? Okay, buddy. <laughs> yeah, where did that get you? Yeah, Sam? back in the rankings. <laughs> no, no, they're not even in the rankings, Desmond. I'm, I'm like, I'm like the falling back, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, they. Put it this way, Desmond. I like to call before we get to our final our final game. Let's call this segment teams that are ranked ahead of the University of Texas. <laughs> and I'll only pick a few teams that you probably don't think they should be ranked ahead. The Kansas State Wildcats are ranked ahead of Texas. The Marshall Thundering Herd are ranked ahead of Texas. The North Carolina State Wolfpack are ranked ahead of Texas. And finally, the team that's probably the most surprising of them all, appearing in their first AP poll ever, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers (laughs) are ranked ahead of Texas. And that concludes our segment of teams that are ranked ahead of the University of Texas. Now back to your regular scheduled programming. So Texas, unless you want to continue losing, we will do this every week until you're back in the rankings. Because after all, you're not back until you really are the national champion. So um, Desmond, I believe we just created a segment about teams that are ranked ahead of Texas. (laughs) So there we go. 
teams that aren't ranked ahead of Texas, but are going to be featured in our scary good game, Middle Tennessee and Rice. Rice returns to action here, their first game of the season. And Desmond, Middle Tennessee must be really bad because Rice is a three and a half point favorite. I want you to think about that for a second. We've had Rice in our scary good game one other time. One other time and they were a favorite. And I believe that they uh, they covered for us. I believe they beat – I don't know if they beat U- UTEP, but they did – no, I don't know. I don't know if they covered or not. Either way, um, I think the Rice Owls might be turning a corner. They're on, like, their fourth head coach in the last few years or whatever, last 10 years or something like that. But I think they might be turning a corner. I really do. Uh, good teams win, but great teams cover. I got to take the Rice Owls to cover that three and a half. I think they do. Desmond? I'm going to switch it up. 1-4 right now for my scary game. I feel like I'm going to start switching stuff up. So I'm going to go middle Tennessee is going to win outright. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you got to switch it up. Maybe maybe see it. Maybe switch it up a little bit. It gets me a couple more wins. Yeah, I'm 0-5 against the spread. You're (laughs) 1-4. And Desiree, we have have missed the last four in a row. Or three in a row, correction. Three in a row. It's 2028 with this Corona stuff going on. It's like time like the preseason where anything can happen. You know, just throwing stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a 2.30 kickoff on ESPN3 from Rice Stadium in Houston. So uh, we'll probably be watching that one to make sure. We'll see what happens here between Minnesota and Tennessee and Rice. All right, small school uh, check-in for just a quick moment to, to close us out. The Marshall Thundering Herd are at home taking on Florida Atlantic and uh, Willie Taggart's team. They have only played one game, but they won that game. So it's a battle of unbeatens in the Conference USA. I see no problems for Marshall. Grant Wells is a good good quarterback. He's got his team in where they need him. They're going to get the 5-0. and and they added a game against UMass. I don't know if you saw that, Desmond. So check off the box for automatic win. Check. Uh, so Marshall should be moving to at least uh, at some point add another win to whatever their record will be. Um, yeah, one thirty kickoff from uh, Huntington, West Virginia as a 16.5 point favorite. Doesn't worry me. What about your team, Desmond? Well, George, Army beat ETSA last week, as expected. And next week they play Mercer, which should be a dub, bringing them up to six and one. And I'm wondering why they are not ranked. You're probably making a good point there, Desmond. They shouldn't be. They should be ranked. Oh, and I should have mentioned that uh, Marshall and Louisiana Tech. It was not even close last week. Marshall absolutely just showed up on to uh, rest in Louisiana and, and got the win over the Bulldogs. So yeah, no, you're right. I feel like I feel like Army's they're close being ranked. Their only loss was to Cincinnati. Who's ranked ninth right now? Yeah, but Desmond, they are. If they win this week, they'll be six and one, mm-hmm. and three of those wins will be over FCS teams. I don't think that's enough to get you ranked, my friend. Um, they are thirty and a half point favorites at home on a twelve thirty kick, uh, so we'll see how if they cover the spread or not. Also, one more thing to add: if you're if you've been paying attention, Syracuse and Clemson play each other. Clemson Desmond is a forty six point favorite. Over a conference opponent, forty-six point favorite. <laughs> I almost made that the scary good game because I wanted to see if they if we believe that they will cover. But we'll see what happens. We've got lots of more in store next week for our annual Halloween episode, which will probably be either on the twenty eighth or 29th. We'll find out when that will get to you. But as always, I'm George Koff signing off for the fifth quarter podcast. He's Desmond McLaughlin. 
we'll continue to wear masks so we can get out of this coronavirus outbreak. Um, and uh, Giga Maggie's, Reckham Tech, and we'll catch you next time. Adios, everybody.